You're listening to Money and Meaning, unlikely allies building new markets for impact. With your hosts, Lindsay Smalling and Liz Maxwell. Check out our website, socialcapitalmarkets.net. Let's join the conversation. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to our second episode of Money and Meaning. So this was actually the first panel event that we've done in Philadelphia, which is an important bridge for SOCAP 365 reaching into more cities across the country. I mentioned on the first episode that for two years now, we've been doing events in New York City, in Washington, D.C., and in San Francisco. But in 2018, we've got many new places on the horizon, including Seattle, Austin, Texas, Boulder, Colorado, Boston, Philly, and hopefully many more to come. The panel you're about to hear, I think, gives a good sense of what many of these mid-sized cities across the U.S. are looking at in bringing together a spectrum of investors with local government allies, entrepreneurs, and community members to tackle systemic problems that their cities face. You'll hear some of the panelists refer to how Philadelphia compares to places like Boston and Cleveland in terms of how different forms of capital operates in that city whether that's private investment, venture funds, philanthropy, government resources, etc., where there's room to improve, and what it means for an ecosystem of players to come together in a city and work towards shared goals. We've got a fantastic lineup for this panel, each representing a different form of capital, but recognizing the needs for these different types of players to work together. Collectively, they outline a broad set of opportunities that they see to build the field of impact investing, both locally in the city of Philadelphia and at large. A few times, you'll hear folks refer to Impact PHL, who is our partner in putting together this event and is doing a lot of important field building work in the region to catalyze the broader impact economy. This event was recorded at WHYY, the local NPR station in Philly, and so we want to thank our venue partners for hosting us and helping build this conversation. Let's dive on in. We really wanted to ground the conversation this evening and understanding that this is a room full of peers that clearly we wouldn't be here otherwise if we didn't care about the future of Philadelphia. And so there are many challenges that we face poverty, climate change, and equities, all of these things, but we also have great opportunities, uh, new ways of thinking, new ways of collaborating, technological advances, and such. So figuring out what does a successful Philadelphia look like and how can we work together collaboratively and effectively uh, to make those goals happen for the city that we all love. So without further ado, um, I'd like to welcome our panelists again and give you each an opportunity to uh, give a brief introduction to yourself and your background and your work. So I'm Tom Balderston. Um, I wear a number of hats. So um, I have a career venture and angel investor. Um, I came to my first investor circle meeting in I think 2003, something like that. Investor Circle is a national angel network, angel and early stage impact investing network that goes back 25 years and has invested $200 million plus in 300-ish companies, a few funds involved in that too. Um, we, I'm on the board of Investor Circle and we've recently uh, announced that we're, we've combined forces with Social Venture Network, which is uh, a longstanding uh, entrepreneur-focused organization uh, of uh, kindred spirits. Um, and 
about um, uh, eight years, nine years ago, Cliff David back there and a couple of other folks, Jay Cohen Gilbert and, and, uh, and uh, Jacob Gray and I, uh, cooked up the idea of having a, a local network for Investor Circle. And so in 2009, we started Investor Circle Philadelphia. We have 37 members. We've made uh, 27 investments, $13 million. We're focused on early stage, generally regional impact investments. I'm also a partner in a fund that's been closely connected to Investor Circle called the, the uh, Sustain VC, which runs a series of funds, and we're actually embarking on our next fundraise right now. And my partner Eric Chapman is is right back here. So thank you, Megan. Appreciate it. Good to be with all of you. Thank you, uh, Sydney Hargrove with uh, Philanthropy Network, Greater Philadelphia. Um, we're a membership organization. We work with um, uh, both grant makers and social investors in Greater Philadelphia of about 140 plus members. Um, I've actually been in this position as executive director since August. That means I know, don't know much at all. Um, but I'm really, really excited about the opportunity and, and uh, energy um, around impact investing and really just reimagining uh, what charitable capital can do to create change. Uh, and so I'm, I'm uh, excited to be with the panel tonight. So looking forward to, to continuing the conversation. Thank you. I'm Margaret Berger-Bradley with Ben Franklin Technology Partners. And for me, this is an extra special kind of combination of people because um, when I do my taxes, I'm reminded I've been an impact investor for 19 years since my first investment in the reinvestment fund. Um, and I have that 1099, I'm ready to go, um, 1098. Uh, and uh, have had experiences from my very first days in Philadelphia with a first client in the room here working with the philanthropic world that was never ready to be thinking about this. And so extra delighted that Sydney is here representing that world in a new way of thinking. Um, I've had, I spent 14 years with the Reinvestment Fund, which is uh, just an, an outstanding example of what uh, impact investing can mean in its most natural sort of way. Um, and I believe that all of these worlds of mashing up this gray area where these worlds come together is where the good stuff happens. I've been with Ben Franklin for a year and a half. I met John Moore and Tom Balderson, I think this week, two years ago, when I first knew of Impact PHL and was talking about whether I work with them. And I joined Ben Franklin specifically to build out in an organization that's always been about economic impact, uh, regional impact, um, as well as financial returns from our investing in uh, tech companies. Uh, but we're trying to figure out how do we infuse social impact into all that we do. And that's what my life has been now since then, working very actively with Impact PHL uh, and building out this alliance more generally, but very specifically about how do we continue to build what we're creating with um, impact uh, and pulling together capital that's ready to actually act and do something to invest in young companies here. Good evening. Uh, I'm Andy Rockman. Um, I uh, am lucky enough to basically be one of the people who've inherited what Margaret built at Reinvestment Fund. Um, I came to that after about a decade working for what I truly believe and continue to believe are some of the highest impact organizations in the country, which are state and local governments. Um, I worked for um, a, a bunch of different agencies in New York and New Jersey and here in Philadelphia, um, and then came to the Reinvestment Fund about five and a half years ago. Um, reinvestment fund, for those of you who don't know, it is a, a large, uh, you know, 
10 years ago, we would have said community development financial institution, which we still are these days. You know, you change with the times. We often say impact investment fund, which we also are. Uh, based here in Philadelphia, we manage about a billion dollars worth of capital. We've invested $2 billion over the course of our 30 some odd year history um, and about 200 million of that in the last year alone. Um, so, you know, a place that's grown a lot over the last few years. Um, and we invest in, in a, a wide variety of um, asset classes that are designed to make change, specifically in uh, low-income communities and in the environment. Um, so that's that's what we do. And at Reinvestment Fund, my job is uh, essentially overseeing the investment team, the folks who go out and find things to place capital in, underwrite, structure those investments. That's my that's my gig. Wonderful. Thanks, Andy. Um, my name is Meg McFadden. I'll be your moderator for the evening. Um, my quick background is that I've spent the past 10 years doing mostly field building work in the impact investing, social enterprise, and technology sector. Um, I am recently returned to Philadelphia after a decade away, so I'm thrilled to be back in Philadelphia and here with you all tonight. To get started on our conversation, what we're going to do is we're actually going to take the session title, How Do You Build a Successful Investor Ecosystem? And so I think when we talk about ecosystems, many of us can think about them differently. Um, I have put a quick slide, and this is, we can talk about the ecosystem many different ways, um, but there's many different players and actors that need to come together to make a city ecosystem work successfully. Um, we are not working in isolation from any number of these things. As we said before, policy comes into play, capital, community, all of these things. So any number of these people can be transacting in any number of ways at any given time. Um, but really, how are we focused on Philadelphia's investor ecosystem and the way the capital is moving? So I'd like to open that question up to the panelists of what does a successful investor ecosystem, investors coming from across the capital spectrum, look like for Philadelphia? Let's start there. What does a successful ecosystem even look like? Well, I think I think part of, of developing a successful system is um, helping all the different entities that make up that system to understand how connected they are to each other and toward the goal of um, you know improving the local economy. And um, so I think from, from our standpoint, one of the things that we're looking at, at at the philanthropy network is like, how do you really look at, at the detail in a very mapped sort of way? Who, you know, where, who are the, where are the capital sources? Who are the intermediaries? Who are the field builders like us where we're just simply trying to, to increase the participation in this? Um, and then who are those who, what are those ready-made opportunities like uh, first steps, first step staffing, say that really fast and try it. Um, what are the opportunities that are uh, either already here or in this particular case, moving in to make it a, an available opportunity for a deal? Um, so we're trying to, I think, be able to map and really look at that and know what, what's available in the philanthropic space how much is available, how much is already in play, and then to really tackle it that, in that fashion. And the other part is then that in, helps us to really understand, well, how do we play the field building role to engage the system, right? How do you, because the other part of it is you've got to you know, tear down the walls, right? We have to make sure that we're, in, we're literally on panels together and we're in conversation um, so that, that when there's philanthropies in the room, that everybody else is in the room as well to, to, to do that. 
Wonderful. Yeah, I moved to Philadelphia and started my own mapping process. I got a, I love Google spreadsheets and made a big list of all the organizations working in Philadelphia and, and having a lot of coffees and the impact investing map comes up quite frequently. So I'll be excited to see, see that map. Margaret. In fact, I'm not sure, Sydney, if you even know, but the um, venture capital world at PACT had its conference the very same day you had your annual conference. And I was at one and my husband was at the other. And I was so wishing that there had been a happy hour at the end where they both had to come together because they were still speaking so differently. Yes. But the resources had to be in the same room. Right. And they're not yet. Right. Um, and that is, that is something that we have to work on. And again, that's why we have um, the big bonus that you're sitting there now. I think that that can happen. Absolutely. Both because PACT is caring about these same issues and because, um, you know, everyone's kind of finding that that space, space in between. Um, the week of the Super Bowl uh, pitch book did a wonderful play of Philadelphia versus Boston in the VC Bowl. And um, you might not be surprised to know that Boston has a lot more capital than uh, Philadelphia does. But what really struck me from, from that comparison, and I brought the numbers with me, uh, is that you know Ben Franklin invests in double the number of companies in this area than the largest investor in the Boston area. But we end up in the end with 10% of the capital going into companies in Philly versus companies in Boston. And so part of what we need to make this capital part work is we need more. We have some great resources for young companies. We have, I mean, the strongest investor circle network in the country, the strongest chapter in the country. Um, you know, Ben Franklin's one of the most active early stage investors, but we get them started, but we need more. We need more capital to follow on. We need the capital alongside us, certainly, so that our deals could be larger and we can take companies further right there. We need more to follow on. And to be double the number as Boston for Ben Franklin and to see that we have a 10th of the investment in our region of venture capital, that's a problem we have to solve. We have to solve it. So I think, you know, there's lots of ways to answer this question, but I think one is the importance of thinking about our impact investment world um, with the same eye for diversification that we bring to our regular investing world, because that is a key component of getting more, right? So if we think I see Jamie Rantanen sitting in the front of the room, who's managed, um, you know, people's money for them for, you know, a few years, right, Jamie? And um, I'm willing to bet that you never tell your clients, you know what you need? You need a portfolio that is just fixed income or just private equity or just venture capital, right? That's not how any financial advisor wants to tell people to think about their investing strategy. Um, but I think it's a little bit the way that the impact investing world has behaved um, for, for a while, um, in part because the kinds of people who started it and the people who've been most active, it's been a conversation that's been dominated, particularly by folks who think about angel investing, venture capital investing, or private equity investing is kind of the models for what investing looks like. And that's incredibly important, right? Those are the, those are the, the special forces of the investing world. They're the, those are the, the kinds of capital that go first and, um, and clear a path, right? They're incredibly important, but they're not the entirety of the thing. They're not the entirety of the financial world. Um, the financial world needs, the, the impact investment financial world needs um, products that have different risk and return perspectives, different time horizons, um, fixed income instruments, um, you know, 
things that look more like tradable securities, all of those things, because getting to those things is a part of getting more capital into the world, right? If we're only behaving like a tiny fraction of the bigger investing world, we're only ever going to get a tiny fraction of its money. Um, if we want a bigger fraction of the sort of big C capital markets money, then we need to give them the same degree of diversity of options that folks have when they just go sit down with their um, your Bank of America right now, Jamie. When they go sit down with their Bank of America advisor and um, you know say, well, all right, what should my portfolio look like? Um, so that's, again, I don't think that's the alpha and the omega. That's not the only way of answering that question, but it's one thing I could say that nobody else had said yet. You're listening to Money and Meaning. I'm Lindsay Smalling, and you can find out more about SOCAP 18 and SOCAP 365 at www.socialcapitalmarkets.net. Tom, what else has nobody said yet? Well, uh, so again, sort of tacking on, I mean, I, I think the products, a, a breadth of products, the Total Impact Conference uh, coming up in later in April is is going to be talking about a breadth of products and opportunities to, to principally an audience of uh, financial advisors. Uh, one of the interesting things about this first step staffing move into Philadelphia was that it, it, it actually represented a blend of different kinds of capital. And so that's, that's going at the, the point that Andy just made. Uh, and Margaret uh, summarized, you know, we need, we need more resources here. So, you know, it would be good. We, we'd accomplish something important if we could add a zero to everything we're doing. So, so come, bring a friend, stop somebody on the street and persuade them to get involved. And we, we basically just need to amp this up to grow. And then we can make even more of a difference in, in you know, in, in the region here. I, I think we're on the cusp of getting to that. Um, but, um, but we really, you know, at it, at even within, you know, a very active group at Investor Circle Philadelphia, most of the time, even when there's enthusiasm about an entrepreneur's pitch and we're supporting that company, the total amount of money that we can raise around the room is relatively modest. Um, and so, you know, I agree wholeheartedly, Andy. There's there's much more involved here than just early stage equity capital. Uh, we need to think about ways in which to layer capital in and to encourage entrepreneurs to think about a blend of capital to support their work. And we need to get them also encourage entrepreneurs to think about how to grow their businesses separate and apart from the capital question, because there's a fascination in the entrepreneurial arena with needing to go out and raise money. It is much more important to have a good, sound business plan and have a customer than it is to have an investor. And so, you know, those things are lost in the, in the, the noise about today's world and in social entrepreneurship there are actually lots of possibilities to raise resources and get support without having to raise equity capital. So that's another part of the messages that we need to spread. And say, to my mind, the most important thing that we can do to have a really strong impact investment ecosystem is have a really strong equity entrepreneur ecosystem. Because 
my own view is that being the capital is never the most important thing and it's never the hardest thing. Being the entrepreneur is the most important thing and the hardest thing. So, you know, my own view is whatever we as capital can do to support the growth of, growth of the entrepreneurial ecosystem will not only be to our advantage as investors, but uh, to the advantage of the broader ecosystem as well, which I think is an extension of what I'm saying and so important. I'm seeing a lot of nods and hearing a lot of that's true. Any ideas from the panel of immediate ways? I mean, Margaret, you talked a little bit about the support with Village Capital and, and providing capacity building in, in other ways outside of capital. Um, what other opportunities are there for the investor ecosystem to build capacity in the entrepreneur ecosystem? I mean, my colleagues do this in a lot of ways across mm -hmm. the region. You know, I have colleagues who are essentially the circuit riders who travel around the region trying to be of support in the incubators, the accelerators, um, the hangout at the universities. They're all over the place trying to get companies that may not even know they're a company yet to grow up enough to be able to develop. I think Andy's point is really, really an important one. Uh, people are, and some of them, and Tom's as well, people get very excited about what's my pitch and how do I pitch it to an investor and they aren't yet focusing on um, what it takes to, to grow the company and uh, how hard Great it pitch. is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had this, you know, we had this the same thing with the, the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program where folks would say, I need, you know, I need capital. And you look at their receivables. Like, you need your customers to pay you. You know, sometimes you don't need capital. You need to figure out how do you run your business in a way. Um, and I think Philadelphia has a wonderful network. Uh, small business development centers, programs at the community college, things Ben Franklin does, there are tons of resources. Um, philanthropy in Philly, I'm saying this cautiously, um, and I know that this is being taped too, but hasn't been so interested in economic development for a long, long time. I kid that I got the last economic development grant uh, when Pew Charitable Trust made a move when we were managing the jobs initiative here uh, a lot of years ago. Um, some cities are much more active in that area. Cleveland, because it hit rock bottom, got very involved in economic development as a philanthropic interest. Pittsburgh has been very involved. I covet it um, on many a day. Uh, and it costs time and money to do the kinds of things. The glue is what my boss Roseanne calls it, but that integrative tissue, you know, it costs, it costs real money to do that. Reinvestment Fund tries to do that as part of its lending process. It's expensive, mm -hmm. um, and that is a place. If we think about even the world of um, supporting entrepreneurs as having its own capital stack, we can do a lot with uh, capital, but we need some grant funds to provide the kind of roll your sleeves up uh, kind of attention that we're giving these these young companies and these young entrepreneurs, whether they're nonprofit, you know, developers or small young companies. I do think that's something specifically we can do as investors, something I know we try to do at Reinvestment Fund. We spend a lot of time with people we know we're not at any point in the near future going to lend money to. Um, because, you know, our sort of rule is you never tell anybody, no, you can't have capital. You tell them, here's what would need to happen for you to be able to get capital. Um, because, you know, if, if capital has a value, it's not, you know, capital doesn't create good companies. Capital is a reflection of a company that's already good. Their ability to attract capital is a reflection of the fact that they're already good. So one thing that we can do is use our perspective as investors where we get to see lots of different companies and hopefully if we're any good at our jobs, have some sense of what's good and what's not. 
um, reflect back to folks, here's what I'm seeing in where you are right now that's really strong. Here's what I'm seeing in where you are right now that is the reason you're not getting capital. And here's what it would need to look like for you to get capital. That's, I think, a service that we can provide entrepreneurs. As you said, it's not one that pays for itself, right? Because we're by definition talking to somebody we're not going to earn any interest on. But it's something we think, you know, that's part of being an impact lender, right, is spending that time. And that's something that all of us who are engaged in the, the, the capital world can do that is, you know, that is part of having impact that isn't about the investment. It's about, you know, actually specifically not the investment. Margaret brings up a really, really good point, And that is, uh, you know, in the realm of the role of philanthropy and economic development. And I, you know, I just actually had a conversation about that, uh, this, this morning over coffee. I've had way too much coffee today. <laughs> um, with, uh, a professional in the economic development space. And one, one of the things that I said is that I think we have to look at the need to serve as translators, right? Because the same philanthropist or foundation that may not be interested in uh, the category of economic development may be funding workforce development. And so how do you unpack that? Right. What is that? What what happens when um, someone is well trained in an excellent, effective program in workforce development, but there are no jobs for them to go to? And and so to really enter a conversation about unpacking economic development and really talk about how the lack thereof impacts the priority areas of of all of philanthropy from education to workforce development to all of the other things that we talk about. And so I think that translator role is certainly one that we realize that we need to do, uh, you, know, at, at, um, you know, at the Philanthropy Network, uh, Greater Philadelphia, because it is important to, in order to look at a local economy, um, you have to, and, and to help funders see themselves um, as a, a, an op see it as an opportunity to have greater impact, you have to help them see themselves in it. And, and I think often in, in the nonprofit sector, social sector, or, or philanthropic sector, whatever you want to call it, we have titles for things that we think everybody understands how they fit. And the need to unpack the title and bring down the lingo and really say, this is how, why it matters to the, what you're already funding. And, and then to look at it as an opportunity for them to participate. I think I want to build off, Sydney, what you just said, because it sounds like you are committed in some degree to doing this translation work. I think it's a critical part of a, a successful investor ecosystem, many of the things that have been said, but um, not to put you on the spot and you're recorded for the podcast, but <laughs> for the panel to... To the point of moving to action beyond this and what we identify as steps that need to be taken and what steps we're willing to take ourselves and hold ourselves accountable to and hold each other accountable to. I'd love any last thoughts on kind of, you know, what you're doing in your own work or what you see needs to happen and what you're willing to do in your own work as kind of a last thought or takeaway. Well, we're raising a new fund and, uh, and uh, we're really working hard to grow the Investor Circle, SVN Community, mm -hmm. I think Impact, PHL, um, wonderful evolution and lots of opportunity going ahead. I think more collaboration between 
the organizations that are already in this space to welcome many more people and organizations and institutions into the under the big tent. Um, uh, that that's you know I said it a couple minutes ago. You know let's let's bring a friend. Let's add a zero. We can or two, and we can make we can really make a difference. A, a next step certainly. Um, it's it's a step that we're already. Uh, steps that we're already taking, and that is just to continue to uh, build relationships outside of the sector um, and to connect the dots, certainly for those um, grant makers and social investors that are in the philanthropy network and even outside of it for the opportunity to participate. I have two points. Uh, one is, as Ben Franklin, we have a real commitment to support the growth and development of impact-oriented startups um, in whichever ways, so say capital, council connections, whatever it may be, and figure out how we grow that and prove out this investment thesis, that there's a real opportunity here in Philadelphia. And the second has been that we as Ben Franklin, me as Margaret, we've made a real commitment to really see all we can do with this Impact PHL platform. We see this as an alliance that matters. We make a, I made a big point uh, often that this is not nice, it's smart, and we need to prove it to be so. And so um, that's my commitment to do all we can do from where we sit. And the fact that I've lived in so many of these different worlds to use my bilingual abilities to make sure that we understand and keep pointing toward where we're trying to go. Uh, you know, I think some of the more important work that we've been doing is trying to find ways to, to become a platform that translates the world of sort of impact investing into the terms that the capital markets understand um, to get to that extra zero that Tom's, you know, been talking about um, in really concrete ways, right? You know, we were for a long time rated by an organization called ARIS that rates community development financial institutions. And we went, okay, like we got to move past that. So a couple years ago, we went out and got an S&P rating because that's something that the broader capital markets understand. Um, we recently started an asset management subsidiary that's a registered investment advisor so that we can raise funds that, that are in the kind of, you know, corporate and legal and regulatory structure that um, that investors understand um, when they're looking to be in a fund. Um, so things like that, where we're sort of recognizing, okay, the time has come for impact investing to, you know, be a niche, but be a niche that connects directly to the broader capital markets and speaks their language. Because um, let's be honest, right? They're not going to come to us. We got to go to them. You're listening to Money and Meaning. You can find out more about SOCAP at our website, socialcapitalmarkets.net, with a list of our upcoming events, including our annual conference at the Fort Mason Center in San Francisco, October 23rd to 26, 2018. Open it up for questions to the panelists, but also reflections, thoughts, statements that you'd like to share. Uh, my name is Julie Zeglin. I'm the editor of generosity.org. Um, and so my question um, has to do with something, Tom, that you said a couple times, which is uh, bring a friend at a zero. And so that made me think of who isn't a part of these conversations, who should be, meaning who should be getting involved in investing, impact investing, philanthropy. Um, and is it is it literally a matter of bringing a friend who lives on the main line and, you know, has money to invest, but isn't. That's part of it, Julie. Um, but I, but I think actually it's, uh, it's it, the, the stories inspire and the stories inspire, uh, people who, uh, are thinking about starting businesses who, who have businesses that they realize 
there's a spark when they realize, hey, actually, I, I am running a social enterprise here, and I never thought about it that way. And so that's actually a very valuable with uh, Impact PHL and the, and, the, um, and the Best for PHL project, you know, companies are, are, be, are, are, are being encouraged to come and, you know, do, do a simple, pretty quick, you know, survey of, of, of how you're doing, what, what, your, what your impact is. From an investor standpoint, we need to create more products. We need to create more opportunities to, you know, there are very generous people who do a lot of philanthropy, but they're mainstream investor portfolios. And, and so can we come up with ways through their donor advised funds or through their philanthropy to, to create vehicles for folks who have the resources and maybe the interest but have never made these kinds of investments encourage them to devote a bit of their capital to doing this kind of thing. So there's all kinds of ways that we can coalesce and, and um, both capital and entrepreneurial spark to go in this direction. Is that sort of responsive, I hope? Okay. Given a choice in terms of which of your friends you're going to bring um, I think the, the New Localism book by Jeremy Nowak and Bruce Katz uh, reminds us there's, that there's way more resources in the capital markets than we'll ever find from the government or from philanthropy. And I've been thinking a lot more. We've been lucky at Ben Franklin to have some good relationships with institutions, with Drexel, with Temple, with, with Bucks County, with Chester County. Um, and I'd love to think of how other institutions of place, pension funds, think about if they're about this place with their university endowment, how they think about some of their capital. Um, if the philanthropies are going to be thinking about how do you use more than the 5%, Cummings Foundation announced this week, I think they're intending to 100% is going to be mission-driven. So there's a movement in the foundations, which is great, but let's bring that back into the world where there are zeros. There are a lot of zeros uh, and find some of those institutional investors who invest in uh, in our region and in impact. Um, thank you, Pat Smith. I'm also with reinvestment funds, so like old home week. Um, uh, my question goes back to the investor, and I'm curious to hear um, to what extent and how investors of color, persons of color, are being informed about, educated about impact investing. I think we're at that point where you have persons who are middle class, upper middle class, the baby boomers who probably have resources to invest, but may not, you know, um, be yet an impact investor or even be familiar with that language. I mean, I'm like Margaret. I've started impact investing with the reinvestment fund <laughs> many, many years ago. But I think, can you talk a little bit about the, that, what that look, landscape looks like in Philadelphia? We, we need to make much more progress there. Um, so one of the challenges of the work that we do at Investor Circle is that the most straightforward way for companies to raise money in the form of equity capital is to not have to register the private placement and therefore they need to go to accredited investors and their accredited investor requirements about how that all works. So we need to figure out ways for folks who have interest and commitment and are, and and want to support, you know, um, if, for example, they're particularly interested in early stage ventures, create vehicles for them to be able to 
uh, invest in things that in turn uh, invest in those early stage ventures. And so uh, a lot of work needs to be done there, frankly, um, in terms of, you know, we don't have enough members of uh, color in investor circle and social venture network. We're making headway. Um, we have a much higher percentage of women members of investor circle than most angel groups in the country. We have a much higher percentage of women entrepreneurs than women and minority entrepreneurs in than most um, than than the sort of classic angel standards. So it's progress, but it's not nearly enough. And as you probably know, the venture capital world is male dominated and white dominated, and those are both problems. I point you again, and I point us again to this conference, the end of April, this Total Impact Conference. Because part of the goal there is to educate more financial advisors on impact investing, because there's some that have been real leaders and others that have been laggards. And people with money of all backgrounds are looking for um, an ability to have impact. I think we're still at a place, and I, when I talk to wealth managers, they acknowledge that there's still more um, interest than demand, but they have to keep up. And I think, Pat, you've got a really great point there, is that so long as it becomes this niche, stays a niche thing, it's going to be as slow uh, slow to move into the rest of America as, um, as a lot of the other. I mean, the CDFIs, a lot of these were slow to engage um, people of color. But the time is now. And the wealth, the wealth managers that don't start to get it are going to be left behind. <laughs> Pat, I would also offer as well um, Rodney Foxworth, who just took over the Bali um, organization, uh, wrote an article recently that I would recommend that he he warns against impact investing, making a promise to address things like equity, um, and that we are not necessarily doing that, and so we have to we have to look more closely at that. Otherwise, impact investing isn't living up to its its purpose and intention. And then um, Darren Dodson, also with Illumin Capital, um, is partnered with Stanford, focused on implicit racial and gender bias. And they're also doing a lot of interesting work in taking investors through a journey to recognize their own biases, so. And that's our panel for today. Thank you so much for listening. We would love to hear from you as we're just starting out this podcast. Uh, if you have any thoughts or feedback or ideas or comments or speakers to recommend, you can find us on Twitter at, at SoCapMarkets. We use the hashtag SoCap365 to talk about our year-round series and hashtag Money and Meaning to talk about this podcast. You can also find upcoming events on our website at www.socialcapitalmarkets.net. And there's information on there about our big annual conference in San Francisco, which is October 23rd to October 26th. You can get your SOCAP 18 ticket online now. And stay tuned for next time. We'll be interviewing our first series of unlikely allies in the impact marketplace. So look forward to hearing from you all and talking to you then. Cheers. You've been listening to Money and Meaning, Unlikely Allies Building New Markets for Impact. 
with your hosts, Lindsay Smalling and Liz Maxwell. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are heard. To learn more about what you've heard, check out our website, socialcapitalmarkets.net. You can also follow us at SoCapMarkets on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening.